Welcome to the Mile High Flight Show, where a Jets fan and a Broncos fan get together to talk about the NFL and the world of sports. Joined by my wonderful friend and co-host Enrique Cisneros, I'm Ryan Marinholtz, and let's get into this. Enrique, my friend, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, bro. Um, just excited to uh, talk with you again, like always. And um, yeah, dude, just ready to get into it. Hell yeah. Yeah, let's jump right into it. we got a great show for you guys. Uh, so no weekly questions this week. Obviously, we've had a little bit of a, a you know change in schedule. And uh, yeah, but we'll move right on to the news. Justin Tucker signs a four-year, $24 million extension with the Ravens. It includes $17.5 million guaranteed and goes through 2027 as he had two years left on his current deal. And I mean, yeah, the best kicker in the league, arguably the GOAT kicker, uh, gets paid like the best in the league. Well-deserved. So, like, do we just, like, pass that mantle on to, like, the best kicker that's been around for a while? Is that, like, how that works? Because, like, I, I'm not debating that Justin Tucker is, like, the best kicker in the league. I'm not debating that whatsoever. But when do, like, they become, like, the GOAT kickers? Like, I'm talking, like, Jason Elam. You know, I mean, even Matt Prater was there for a good minute. Then didn't he get, like, a yeah. DUI? Um, but even when he yeah. went to Detroit after the whatever happened to him, um, he was still low-key kind of clutch and goaded out there in Detroit. Um, and then you had, what, like, Vinatieri. You had fucking yeah. um, Sebastian Janikowski. Like, all those guys, like... He's just like Robbie Gold. You just hang out for a while, kick a lot of good field goals, and then what? You're just like the go kicker. You're right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think I'm a little bit biased because he's on the Ravens. Uber biased. But, uber biased. However, I will say, for me, gen- like genuinely, I think he's at least in the conversation, and I would put him in the conversation with like Vinatieri. I think Vinatieri has the long term success just the, the straight up years and the consistency. Um, and so I think that that's like, he's got the, the ironclad hall of fame, like are you a bold goat status, uh, you know, uh, collection of stats there. I think for me, Justin Tucker, because he just broke the, uh, he's a super bowl winner, right. was super okay. clutch in that playoff drive mm-hmm. uh, is like a five time all pro and five time pro bowler so far. And he's been consistent so far. He's already like top 10 in kicker stats all time. And then on top of that, just this last year, he set the uh, new like longest field goal record. And for me, that was what put it over the top from him being just like the best kicker in the league right now to at least an arguable goat. And like I will, I will very much admit that like saying he's the goat throws a little bias in there because it's a little early. But I think he's at least on that path. I think maybe that's more fair to say. I Well, I think you brought up a lot of good stats. And um, whether you had all those Justin Tucker stats randomly pulled up or they're just ever like – Dude, off the place. dome. I know, dude. I, I like That's what I was worried about. <laughs> I was worried that it was off the dome. That's going to scare me. Um, but that's, uh, that's quite impressive. See, and that, that 
like I tell everybody, that's why I do a podcast with Ryan. Like that, that, that fucking five minute uh, Justin Tucker uh, Hall of Fame uh, fucking speech right there. That's why I do a podcast with you. Cause I might as well do his induction speech for him, bro. Dude, like, that shit was goaded, dude. That shit was legendary right there. Um, but I mean, you got me convinced. I'm down to give it to him. Like <laughs> I'm fucking. I'm gonna. Oh, dude, that's okay. So real quick, sorry. Um, I was like cruising in the truck right at work, and um, randomly I see a dude on a motorcycle that had a Justin Tucker jersey on, like a purple one. Nice. And I was like, that dude is fucking committed. Like, that dude's a real Ravens fan. Because one, he bought the kicker's jersey. And I understand Justin Tucker's right. like, you know, the goat kicker. Uh, well, now I do, thanks to you. Um, <laughs> but I was like, that fool said, fuck it. I'm going to go cruise on my bike. But, you know, of all the jerseys of the great, great legend legends that have played for the Baltimore Ravens, Give me the Justin Tucker. Like I got, I got to rock the JT real quick. And it was for this reason right here. It was for a real, like a real football fan to see that shit and be like, "That motherfucker is dedicated." So shout out to you, sir. Shout out to you. And shout out to you. And shout out to you. Thank you, thank you, my brother. Shout out to that motorcycle driver. And I'm not gonna lie to you. Like Justin Tucker just gives me motorcycle driver like vibes so i just i like that story on that level as well i don't know why i can't tell you why but just when i look at justin tucker i'm like yeah that dude would ride a motorcycle and i don't even know if he actually does either but right. it just be like that sometimes dude just so i i appreciate you random motorcycle man okay so now that we've gone through that uh, our next story here still on the ravens J.K. Dobbins passes a physical and comes off the pup list. And, yeah, I mean, like we were talking about a couple weeks ago with the pup list, it's, you know, I get it. A lot of fans want to, you know, send the alarms uh, when you see your favorite player go on the pup list in training camp. But it does not necessarily mean they're going to miss time in the regular season. Sometimes it's just a, you know, smart move by the, uh, you know, team to – give themselves that flexibility roster wise so that they can bring in some other bodies uh, while these guys keep healing and uh, are able to come back when they're ready. So JK Dobbins a couple weeks after being put on the pup list uh, now back and training with the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think like sometimes people forget that football is a business and sometimes you gotta, and I've actually loved that the NFL has introduced like that, uh, the Publis, the IR with the designation to come back. I love all of these things because it's ways, it adds like a random strategic element to like football that you might not think of, like where you can, you know, like stash a guy away until, you know, halfway through the season almost and then bring him back like well, well into the season. And, you know, you're able to get a competitive advantage because like, Guys don't have film on that guy for six weeks. He's going to come back energized and refreshed and hopefully he can get through the rest of the season, no problem. Um, and, you know, sometimes uh, guys just aren't ready, you know, coming. Like you, uh, we talked about James Williams, um, you know, in the last episode. And, you know, he's, he's a guy that's going to, you know, miss a good portion of the season. 
but he's still going to be able to come back and you know play some of his rookie rookie year, which you know without a random little list like this, uh, he wouldn't be able to do. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I, I fuck with it. Yeah, absolutely, and then that, that's a really good point: is the strategical uh, value of that, and uh, you know, just adding another layer to kind of the chess game. So, uh, yeah, that's a great point. And um, you know, obviously, you love to see it for your team too to be able to not uh, have to use a roster spot on somebody who's healing, and it just makes the team better overall. And um, you know, assuming you're uh, like front office is using all that correctly and like you said kind of applying the chess pieces uh in the right way and playing that strategic game uh yeah it can really change your fortunes uh so yeah uh and then our next story here pretty big one bears linebacker roquan smith request to be traded um yeah i mean i think it's a collection of things with his contract obviously um and not being able to uh, agree on an extension with the Bears to this point, uh, frustrated, frustrated with that. And I would imagine, too, frustrated just with the uh, lack of success that the franchise has been, uh, you know, failing lately. And uh, we'll have to see if he actually makes his way out. Maybe this is enough to get the Bears to relent on whatever money that he wants. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see one of the top young linebackers in the game right now uh, suit up for a different team. Yeah, I mean, there's the plethora of teams that would love to have Roquan Smith on their uh, defense right now. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'd love to have him um, right next to CJ Mosley. Um, you know, yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure, uh, I'm sure, as you know, a Broncos fan, you would love to have Roquan Smith on your team. There's literally 31 teams, 32, because I know the Bears want him, but apparently they don't yeah. want him uh, enough to pay him. Which, um, so. I don't know how many times me and you had talked about how bad J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, and Deshaun Watson had to get off the Texans. Like, I, I just I know that that's always been a talking point that we had um, when all three of those guys were on that team, and I feel like I feel the same way with certain players on the Chicago Bears. Like, I wanted Allen Robinson off that team. I want Roquan Smith right. off that team. I want Justin Fields off that team. Um, I don't know who else is. I want Cole Kim, uh, Cole Kimmett off that team because I like his last name. Um, who else is there? Who else is in Chicago that's worth saving? Khalil Mack's already gone. Um, that's true. So yeah, I guess everyone else can just die. Like not literally, <laughs> but in Chicago. Eddie, Eddie I mean, Jackson, I guess. Um, do we want to save Eddie Jackson though, Ryan? Like he's been he's been struggling a little bit, but like it's all he's also on the Bears, so I'm like yeah, maybe he wouldn't yeah. if he wasn't on the Bears. Yeah. Okay, Eddie Jackson could come too. But, uh, <laughs> okay, I guess. But yeah, like I do not I'm not surprised by this. Like Roquan definitely he should get paid or he should get traded. Um and if the Bears don't want to pay him then they should trade him for sure. Um and maybe I'm just saying Trade him to the New York Jets. It's not that bad of an idea. True. That's a uh, mouth-watering proposal. That would be so nice for the Jets. Uh, but, yeah, we'll have to see how the situation plays itself out. And 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not even like no offense to the Bears themselves. It's just that like when you see good players on teams that are like continually not successful, you just feel bad because you see or think of what they could be doing in better situations. You know what I mean? And so it's like, sorry, Bears fans. Like it's it's nothing against the Bears, but we want to see Allen Robinson catch passes for Matthew Stafford. Like, fuck yeah! It's that's just gonna be good ass shit. Oh, you god. know what I mean? Oh god! And we want to see Justin Fields. I mean, think about if Justin Fields was drafted into a situation, uh, like I mean, even like what uh, Malik Willis is in with uh, Tennessee, like just. Oh, god. Almost so, anything where oh, he has a solid veteran in front of him that's at least going to be there and be um, a solid, uh, you know, starter so that he can stay back and learn and not be thrown out to the wolves. And, uh, yeah, I mean, seeing the first preseason game with the Bears, I worry that uh, he's going to have, you know, just another year of running for his life. And, Malik's uh, got really hard to on. develop. Dude, he do though. Dude, he's, he's got an arm. Huh? So like, I um, I like okay. So I did, yeah, I did my, I did enough homework on Malik Willis, but um, I just thought he had a, like a live arm in college ball, you know, because like you see, it, like you just see live arms, but like Malik Willis got an arm, dude. Like that shit was crazy. Yeah. Like th- that deep ball that he hit thirteen on, that was um. Yeah, that was crazy. I was very impressed. I was very, very impressed. Dude, does, I was very impressed as well. Does get a little, uh, get a little wheelie though, huh? It does, it does like to run a little bit. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, I we'll uh, talk a little bit about him more in the news section later on. But I mean, I was I was both impressed and you saw what he needed to work on very much so in his first performance, but. I overall, I was I was wowed, and I was uh, I feel like he showed everything that you saw in college, at least like both from a good standpoint and bad standpoint. You know, it's fair. It's fair. So, all right. So our next story here: Jets offensive tackle. I'm sorry, Enrique. It, it just didn't advance. Jets office offensive tackle Mackay Becton fractured his kneecap in training camp on Monday and will likely miss the year. Uh, just really unfortunate, uh, especially, I mean, we've talked about him multiple times on the show, somebody who's looking to rebound and really, uh, you know, kind of kickstart uh, his career, honestly, at this point, because he's really just struggled to kind of get off the ground. Um, and I feel bad, too, because he's probably going to get even more vitriol from the fans just because he's not been available, you know what I mean? So, but hopefully he can recover as fast as possible. Um, I want to say, and you may know better than I do, but I want to say that I heard that depending on how his recovery goes, he may be available like later on in the season. Uh, but I don't know that for a fact. That, that I have not heard. Um, I, that would be great, but that I have not heard. The thing about Mackay Becton that's super unfortunate is one, he gave us that great rookie year, um, and you know showed a lot of flash and a lot of promise that rookie year. Um, yeah, missed all of last year, missed all of this year, or will miss all of this year, um, and 
Uh, like, yeah, the fans have already crucified him. A lot of fans have already written him off. Um, I'm, I'm not, so I was really excited to have Makai Becton, uh, this, uh, I guess, um, this season, this upcoming season, obviously, because he's my starting left tackle. I, I didn't necessarily think I was going to have him or that if I was going to have him, I might get like maybe not 100% Makai Becton. So losing him um, hasn't been – I'm not like nasty about it. It's unfortunate because I want for him to come back um, – you know, but it's not like I'm not dying, you know, and obviously we'll get to it in just a second, but you know, the jets took care of it as best they could. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, this is life as a jets fan. Like, like you see all the promise that we had, the great draft, the great off season, the great free agency signings. Um, but just like last year where we had similar things, we had Zach Wilson, we had, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker, you know, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, Zach gets hurt in that year. Um, right before the season starts, Carl Lawson ruptured his Achilles, um, you know, who was our big free agency signing last year. So, yeah, it's life of being a Jets fan. It's ups, and it's a lot of downs, a lot, a lot of downs. But, um, you know, Makai... Makai's out for the year, and we'll just have to live with it. Um, you know, just next man up. Yeah, man, it's it's rough, and it's painful to see, is especially from the outside looking in. It's like coming up to the season looking so promising, and then uh, seeing you know some rough injuries take place like this. You hate it for any team, but especially those that are looking to really kind of come into their own and start growing into a winning team. It's just such a, a you know, like, I, I don't even know how to say it. Like, just terrible for, uh, time, like, almost terrible timing just as far as um, the, like, trajectory of the team as well, not only just for that player themselves and trying to recover from that injury. But, um, but I mean, you know, with that said, Unfortunately, another Jets negative here. You know, Jets QB Zach Wilson suffers a bone bruise and a meniscus tear during preseason game one, cutting wrong on a scramble attempt and a non-contact injury, uh, but thankfully avoids a torn ACL and may not be available week one, but in theory should be back sometime in the first half of the season. Like, dude. Dude. It's so rough. I feel so bad. I was watching this live. And I like he he tried to walk it off like he tried to act like nothing is wrong, uh, but he like it took him a second to get up and then he got up and then he was like, nah, I can't walk on this um, and fell back to the ground. And then you were like, yeah, something's wrong. So you just you hate to see it in the preseason. Um, you know, I mean, you hate to see injuries at all, but especially before anything even really matters and especially for your uh starters was that even i don't even know if that was his second drive that might have been like his first drive like he was not playing very long um and unfortunately you know football stuff happens yeah so like i remember when i found out about this like i was at work you know i, I didn't get a chance to watch the game um I watched the highlights after work, but 
I uh, I was at work and you texted me like something about Zach Wilson. And then you're like, oh no, I might have jinxed it. And then I like looked at my phone and I was like, I'm pretty sure Zach Wilson just got hurt. And Ryan just told me. And <laughs> I will drive this fucking truck off the mountain right now. Like if Zach Wilson, if anything happened to Zach Wilson, I'm, I'm going to cry. Like I'm going to break down and cry right now in the middle of my work day. I'm going to break down and cry because like that is he like he like I give him the nickname the savior because he literally is the savior of the New York Jets right now. Like this all goes through Zach Wilson without Zach Wilson. None of this works. It's all built around him. Everything goes through him is for him without Zach. This, none of this is worth it. Um, so very, very happy that it's such a small injury. Um, I've heard we'll probably get him back like by week two at the very worst. So, you know, if we have to go with Mike White for the first game for the Ravens, that's fine. Cause at least I don't have to root. Like I have to root against the Ravens cause they're playing my jets, but I didn't want to have to like really root against the Ravens cause I don't want to root against your team. Um, unless we're playing the Broncos, then fuck the Broncos. But I love Lamar. <laughs> I love Lamar Jackson more than I love Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Um, so yes, now for sure, week one we're gonna lose to the Ravens. That's okay, unless Mike White Cincinnati Bengals that ass because he did beat them. Like Mike White beat the Bengals, so I'm just saying. Um, and yeah, like let's just hope Zach come back. Gets that like this is the injury for the Jets the rest of the year. This uh, like Makai and Zach being hurt, um, dampers the beginning of the season. You know, dampers um, the offensive line. But you know, that's it. No more injuries. Everything else is gonna go just great. We're gonna make the playoffs. Make the Super Bowl. It's gonna be good. That's what I'm saying, bro. Positive thoughts. Positive thoughts. To see it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just rough, man, with Zach Wilson. And, um, I do remember that with the text. Literally, what it was, was uh, I think we were talking about Mekhi Becton's injury. And then I was like, well, at least you still got Zach Wilson. Oh, and yeah. Literally, my next text was like, oh, shit, I think I jinxed it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, yeah, that's unfortunate, but... Uh, like you said, I'm glad that it's not, uh, you know, a longer-term injury. And, you know, hopefully he can get back and get right. And, uh, it's unfortunate this is essentially happening for the second uh, year year in a row now because, you know, last year, what, he made it out of the preseason, but would he get injured, like, at week two or something like that? And Week uh, six or something, back. yeah. Oh, uh, was it? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, hopefully he can uh, stay healthy and, Hopefully that line can keep it healthy. But with that said, um, our next story, a little bit more of a positive note, fill in that hole uh, that Makai Becton has now left. Uh, Jet signing offensive tackle Dwayne Brown to a two-year $22 million deal to fill the newfound absence of Makai Becton. And, yeah, I mean, solid enough signing here. You know, a solid veteran that's been up there with Seattle, protecting Russell Wilson, and they let him go this offseason. Uh, and, Jets go ahead and bring him in, and uh, yeah, I mean, can't be too mad about that, and for a decent price. Yeah, no, this is a great move. Um, I love this. Uh, we 
we brought him into the green and white practice, um, and he was visiting. Um, the The rumor was that Joe Douglas was locking that ass in town to like to make him sign theoretically, and that was before Makai got hurt. So with oh, Makai wow. getting hurt, yeah, they fucking shut down. They shut down the airport to keep his ass there. <laughs> they they weren't letting him go. Um, and, and what a great signing. Like one, I've always like, liked Dwayne Brown as a player. Um, I always wished he could somehow, like, since he was a Texan, I've always wished that he could somehow, um, become a jet. Uh, and now he's finally a jet. Like I low key might even go get his Jersey. Like, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm down with Dwayne Brown signing. Um, and I think it's a two year deal because of also Makai Becton. Because um, I think now, since this would be his third year, next year is his fourth year. Next year would be the year that we have to decide an option on him. Um, and so with Dwayne Brown being signed to a two-year deal, we have a little bit of assurance, uh, insurance on if Makai comes back healthy and he plays great, cool, we could pick up his fifth-year option, no problem. But if Makai comes back and plays like his ass – then we don't have to pick up his option and we have Dwayne Brown to cover us that year at tackle. Yeah. Also, yeah, that's a good point. George Fant and Dwayne Brown are going back to playing bookend tackles on the same team because they were both in Seattle uh, for a stint as well. Oh, nice. Just the rejoining team itself. And they're both... Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. oh, no, I was just going to say Dwayne's going to play left tackle and then George Fenton's going to play right tackle. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, not ideal uh, to lose Mikai Becton. And that, that would have been very nice if you could have had Mikai Becton on one side and Dwayne Brown on the other. But um, at the very least, glad that you guys were able to lock in Dwayne Brown and uh, keep that line afloat and George Fant, no pushover either, you know? So like at the very least, you're not sounding alarms on that offensive line. And I think after losing uh, such a solid presence as Mikhail Becton, uh, in theory that like you could be much worse off than where you guys are at for, uh, right now on that offensive line for sure. So uh, with that said, we can move on to our next story here. Uh, NFL owners unanimously approved the Watson Penner Group's purchase of the Broncos and have allowed the new owners to officially come in, uh, including Sir Lewis Hamilton, who was added to the group last week. Uh, and Sir Lewis, Sir Lewis Hamilton is a uh, F1 driver. I'm personally not familiar with all that, but I understand that he's, like, very good. So <laughs> Very good. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's yeah that's like the limit of my understanding he does good driving he drives real nice drives real nice and he's he part owner of the Broncos. very fast exactly that's what i'm saying bro uh but yeah i mean you know obviously there's different uh politics that you can talk about with the walton penner group but with that said i think like as a broncos fan so far I have been impressed with the fact that, like, they seem – well, number one, almost all of these people are, like, very successful. 
like they've done very successful things in all of their fields um, and they're very diverse in their fields. Like you got a politician in there. I'm sure Lewis Hamilton is a athlete. Um, you know, you've got like business uh, women in there and obviously Rob Walton and, and all those guys. So like there's a lot of different uh, perspectives and things going on in that group. But then also the actual people that are like more running it in Greg Penner and Kerry uh, Walton Penner seem very dedicated and like they actually want to like they want to be involved, but they want to do it the right way and not like have their hands too much in it either. So I don't know. I'm I'm like optimistic, but time will tell. We'll just have to see. Uh, but it's official now. They're all moved in. And uh yeah, what are your thoughts, Enrique? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I I'm, I am from Denver, although I do talk shit about the Avalanche and the Broncos here on the podcast, um, <laughs> and the Nuggets sometimes. But the Nuggets get my True. get my love a little bit, uh, get get my love a little bit more, I should say. Um, yeah, I'm excited, dude. Like, um, like I live two blocks away from that fucking stadium, so. Um, I see it. I see like the improvements they've done to the stadium. I've seen like the money they're putting into the stadium. Um, and you know, like I brought up, um, uh, you know, earlier, like to see these big, um, like a big poster of Russell Wilson, who's your new quarterback, who, you know, is a Brown dude, which is also cool. Cause you know, I haven't seen too many Brown dudes, uh, being the Broncos quarterback and even more so being on the side of the fucking stadium itself. And then you have Justin yeah. Simmons uh, on the other side. Uh, it's like, it just gives me the Super Bowl 50 flashbacks of Peyton and Vaughn, like the leader of the defense and the leader of the offense. And it's so cool to see it. It's so cool to feel how excited the city is. And I think a big part of that is because of this new ownership group, you know, and, you know, even more so to add what you said about the diversity of this group. um, Yeah. Having an athlete in there, having um, just people that are well-respected. I'm I'm a big believer in like winners win, um, you know, and like when you just have a group of winners, um, hopefully they have a good idea on how to build a uh, a winning culture and if your winning culture starts all the way from the ownership group all the way down you know because i can't think of any more of like a winner's winner than russell wilson um you know like russell wilson wins despite things you know despite his height despite his uh you know whatever the obstacles in the pre-draft process because i still remember all those um you know like russell wilson made it as a third round pick, made it to the Seahawks, won, won a Super Bowl, got to another one, should have gave it to Marshawn Lynch. Um, and True. But that's Pete Carroll's fault, which is why they have beef, True. which is why he got traded to the Broncos, which is why, like, True. it's just, it's it's exciting, dude. It's really, <laughs> really exciting. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's cool to see the Broncos. It's cool to see the Broncos be relevant. And, um, yeah, like, it's a lot of money, dude. Like, what did they buy that shit for, like, Almost five bill, like, whew, it's a lot of money. Yeah. I'm glad they want to do it the right way. Yeah, man. I mean, in theory, we we hope that uh, they follow through on that, and time will tell. And yeah, I totally agree with what you said there. And uh, it's it's brought a new rejuvenation to the city for sure, uh, both just on the team aspect of it, but 
just the, the buzz of new ownership and what that means for Broncos or for the Broncos. And, uh, you know, obviously a, a changing of era coming off of Pat Bowen as well, which means a lot to a lot of people here in Denver. So, uh, but with that said, a couple more Broncos stories here. Just two days after ownership was approved, the Broncos named Damani Leach as a new team president, previously the CEO of NFL International, among other positions, and uh, brings in a business presence with knowledge of the football industry to help the Walton Penner Group's transition. And yeah, I mean, so obviously very quick move, only a couple of days after they come in. Clearly they, uh, you know, had somebody in mind and uh, seems like a very quali- a qualified candidate in Damani Leach, almost overqualified, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this guy and reading more into it, uh, you know, like I was mentioning, he seems to, uh, like we were talking about the ownership approach, they seem to kind of, so far they've demonst- demonstrated that they are uh, giving George Payton the keys to the football side of it. And they're saying like, okay, you got it. You've put together this team. You've got Russell Wilson. You, you did all that. So take care of that. And then Damani Leach here is going to be kind of the in-between they can kind of communicate between the football side of George Payton and the business side of the ownership group um, and be that uh, president of uh, the Denver Broncos. So, yeah, an exciting addition here alongside the whole ownership group and um, definitely makes sense, the the whole role in it, uh, as I read more into it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like um, it sounds like the perfect sort of like half and half mind for a, a business side and a football side of things, you know, for George Payton to bounce stuff on as he understands the football side of things and he understands the business side of things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it just it, it really is nice to, one, uh, like you said, it seems like since it was such a swift move, um, they had someone in mind. They, you know, had been doing their homework on who they wanted to bring in right away. Uh, Damani Leach is their uh, new president, and uh, yeah, congratulations to the Broncos. Congratulations to um, the new ownership group in regards to, you know, they're, they're, if you're starting to uh, see it and you're starting to kind of get behind it, then as a Jets fan, I can definitely get behind it because, you know, if the diehard Bronco fans can uh, appreciate it, then I know that you guys are doing a good job. That's the hope anyway, so... Uh, well, we'll have to see how it uh, turns out here in Denver. But one more Broncos story here. Uh, Broncos beat that ass both at the training camp, joint practice, and preseason game versus the Cowboys uh, with the offense looking explosive with unexpected names stepping up like Brandon Johnson, Caden Davis, Jalen Virgil, and especially Hall of Fame quarterback slash wide receiver Kendall Hinton. And defense had solid showings from guys like Malik Reed, Baron Browning especially looked really good, P.J. Locke, and Draymond Jones. Uh, unfortunately, Jonas Griffiths suffered a dislocated elbow and is likely to miss four to six weeks, uh, opening a needed inside linebacker as Griffith has shown out in camp and looks to have earned a starting spot. And Yeah, I mean, some of those players that I mentioned uh, the wide receivers, dude, in in the absence of Tim Patrick, have stepped the fuck up so far. Um, especially, you talk about Jalen Virgil 
caught a couple of really nice, uh, you know, like go balls down the sideline um, and made some plays there. And he's an undrafted free agent. Um, Caden Davis has been showing up in camp and did some good things. Brandon Johnson had a nice reception as well and has had a nice uh, connection with Russell Wilson in camp as well. Um, and yeah, Kendall Hinton, a, a centerpiece in this offense throughout this game and uh, almost filling that kind of Tim Patrick sure-handed go-to guy role during this game. Um, and hopefully I, I want to see more and more out of that, out of him because obviously with Tim Patrick being gone, that's a, a role that this Broncos team needs. So if he can fill it, um, that would be fantastic. And uh, yeah, you love to see those other guys stepping up. And then defensively, the one guy I really wanted to shout out was uh, Baron Browning on the edge. Last year, played inside linebacker and was solid enough as a rookie. Um, and in college, played edge. And so we moved him back over to edge this year. Dude looked lights out in his first game in the preseason. Um, he's looked good in camp. And uh, he is he's a crazy athlete. He has really good bend. Um, and just looked really, really good in this game at edge. Um, and he's got crazy, he's got crazy bend, but also like really good strength, like lower body and core strength, and then balance. And uh, one play that specifically stuck out to me from this game with Baron Browning, there was a play where he uh, tried to like spin off of a dude to the outside of the edge, uh, edge there. And it did not really work. And the tackle like almost got on top of him. And he got on the ground and almost, like, he didn't crawl, but bent his way underneath the tackle from a a point of disadvantage, you know what I mean? Like, it almost looked like he was out of the play and still got underneath the tackle and got pressure um, and then eventually, uh, like, knocked down the ball um, and almost got a sack, but just didn't get there in time. And, yeah, he looked super good. So, you know, enough uh, gushing about the Broncos, but – you know, what are your thoughts on both the Broncos preseason, but also the, uh, I mean, obviously I know it wasn't a, a super positive game, but if you have, uh, like with the Zach Wilson injury, but if you had any thoughts on the uh, Jets or any other preseason games as well. Uh, well, I, okay, so about the Broncos. One, I saw that clip of um, that joint practice where fucking Bradley Chubb lit up Zeke and I was dying. That shit was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I felt bad for Zeke though, Loki, because I was like, "Damn, I dude!" I didn't know that Zeke and Dak are heading to their seventh season. Um, I was like, "Damn, like it's been it's been a minute for them boys." So that's why I felt bad for Zeke. Um, no, I thought the Broncos looked good, dude. I yes, I I would say like for sure for me, shout out Kendall Hinton. Um, I thought he played his ass off in this game. Um, I also thought, um, what's your backup quarterback's name? Uh, Oh, uh, Josh Johnson, dude was uh, lights out. Dude, Josh Johnson played, uh, and the other one too, uh, Rippin. Oh, Brett Rippin, yeah, yeah. he was good, good too. Both of them. Yeah, I thought both of them played really, really great. Um, yeah, dude, I thought the Broncos looked lively. I thought they looked like they wanted to be out there. Um, it's nice to have um, football back in the Mile High City for sure. Um, also, I thought it was cool that Russ randomly dressed. Um, like, I don't know. I know he didn't need to. It's such a rust thing to do. That's what just I'm saying. Extra. Like he's just like is that dude. Like he's just he's just is that dude. Um, he just is that dude. 
Yeah, and then, I mean, as far as Jets, the Jets go, uh, I just literally watched the highlights of the game, um, so I wasn't able to pay attention to all the guys I would have liked. If I get some time this week, I'll watch the whole thing. Um, I saw some good stuff from Jermaine Johnson, the rookie. Um, Saw a lot of the same stuff that I was seeing on college tape of him at FSU. Um, You know, just has that, like, superior, like, um, like that good – strength like that that good push uh he's got a great bull rush um you know kind of like low-key reminds me of like an aaron donald type of bull rush off the edge there um and there was just multiple times where i was like damn look at 52 and then i was like wait who's 52 again and then i was like yeah that's jermaine johnson uh the rookie uh sauce gardner played lights out um obviously those guys weren't out there very long um sauce gardner played lights out and you know uh, talk goes that uh, Sauce Gardner hasn't had a bad practice all of training camp, um, and so I yeah, I, and I do too. Um, and so really excited to see um, to see Sauce and Jermaine get some more reps out there, uh, you know. And yeah, I'm imagining the second and the third preseason game are going to be a, a bit more starters uh so i'm definitely going to try to turn tune into those but otherwise i mean um aiden hutchinson super impressed by aiden hutchinson um super impressed by aiden hutchinson super impressed by um some of the things that i'm seeing from uh from some of these rookies dude like um yeah yeah uh, hutch looks good um fucking What's his name? Pickett looked good. Yeah, Pickett looked good. Pickett looked surprisingly good, which really, really was like, I don't know. I, I guess I was just big time hater on uh, Kenny Pickett, but he looked good. George Pickens looked good. Um, Jeremy Rucker, Jets tight end, um, who just came off the pup list himself. Um, he was in the game, caught a touchdown pass. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, good and bad times for Jets football, but. Just glad to see the boys out there balling out again. Glad to see football back and yay yay. Get another uh get another weekend. Oh, also, real quick before I get off of it, in that Eagles game, Jordan Davis is that dude, goddamn. Like dude. Jordan dude, Davis fucking, is a um, dude. What's his name? Dean uh Nicobe oh, no, Dean too. Nicobe Both Dean. of them. Also he that dude. Fucking lights out. Like together too. They they like clearly have a chemistry. Obviously, being teammates, but they, yeah, both of those teams were fucking awesome. And then I wanted to bring up to Kyer Elam on the Bills. Oh my corner. goodness, yes, dude. dude Ky- yes, thank you for thank you for bringing up Kyer Elam. Thank you for bringing up Kyer Elam. I know, I if, know, dude. I was that game, like that was like my entire interest in that game. If if the Bills actually randomly drafted Kyer Elam. And still have Tredavious White, like a healthy Tredavious no. White. They instantly have the best starting cornerback duo in the NFL. Dude, like it's instantly. Like who's better? Like if Kyrie Elam plays like that, right? Who's better than who's better than those two? I just don't see it. Dude, if he plays like that every game, I mean, like just give me the consistency of it. Obviously. I expect him to have some rookie struggles, but that's a hell of a first preseason game. Uh, and if that's any indicator of what he can do, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, so, yeah, man, he looked really fucking good. 
And then also uh, George Karloftis on the Chiefs looked unfortunately good. Did he? Oh, well, we knew that. Really, unfortunately. I know, though. That's I. You know, when I was watching him, what like replayed through my mind was when I was talking about how his name, like, literally just tell me his name sounds out of place when you're like, you know, George Karloftis has been inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Like, that shit just fits. Like, that sounds perfect. Like, I just, I I don't even, I have no basis for this. I like him as a player, but like, just completely separate from that. Just his name tells me he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And uh, so far, he's on track. Had a really good first preseason game. So, clearly going to be a Hall of Famer. That's clearly going to be a Hall of Famer. At least for right now, he's in the Hall of Ryan's Love. And that's a more prestigious club than the Hall of Fame, my friend. Except he's a chief, though. So it's Ooh, like, so the Hall of Ryan's like want to love but can't because kind of hate division rival. Yeah, yeah. like I, I Loki <laughs> kind of hate him, but I also love him. The 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 Hall of Ryan's hate to love, I guess. There you go. There you go. That's that rolls off the tongue better. I yeah, like I like that too. <laughs> okay, but with that, we can go ahead and move on to our uh, next story here. James White, running back for the Patriots, retires after eight years after amassing three Super Bowl victories and establishing himself as one of the premier receiving backs in the league, racking up 3,278 receiving yards and 25 touchdowns with another 11 touch uh, rushing touchdowns. Um, and yeah, just a really solid player throughout his eight years in the NFL. Obviously a big part of that Tom Brady, second part of that uh, Patriots dynasty there. Uh, you know, in the 2010s. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about uh, the the Super Bowl in 2016 against the Falcons that I can't remember the number of. I almost want to say 51. Um, But yeah, no, it would be because ours was 50 in 2015. So yeah, Super Bowl 51. um, And he was like a driving force in a lot of the offense in that game um, and scored a ton of the points, including the final... uh, you know, touchdown that won it for the Patriots. So, yeah, a huge part of that um, and a, uh, a central player. And, uh, you know, I frankly, because of that game, as well as some of the other things he's done, he's one of those players that you can't tell the story of the NFL without saying James White's name. So congratulations to him on his retirement. Um, everything that you just said made me so sick and nauseous, Ryan. Like <laughs> it did because I'm so, like, do, like do you know how many times do you know how many times you can say <laughs> that the history of the NFL cannot be mentioned with insert Patriots player here? Like, do you know how many times you can fucking say that? Uh, like an unfortunate amount of times. Like so many unfortunate times, and <laughs> and you're right, dude. Like James White had himself a career. Like, got himself three rings, played in the NFL for eight years, you know, racked up pretty decent yardage, um, you know, was, like, for sure, like, the receiving back for the the New England Patriots. Um, And, like, this is something that New England does. They make these, like, kind of random gadget players that, like, do really, really good in one role in their system, 
Um, they give them long storied careers, and you know, like the dude's got three rings, and like he literally caught balls from Tom Brady, and yeah, like, um, yeah, congratulations on a uh, an amazing career. I'm sad and sorry that it has to be for the Patriots, but um, yeah, you did your thing, sir. Congrats, and I'm glad he got to ride off into the sunset because. Like we always say, when a guy gets to retire, like it's just good that he gets to retire the way he wants to retire. So, um, yeah, best of luck. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. Point, like you said, I'm glad he gets to retire the way that he wants to, and uh, you know, on his own terms there. So, but yeah, uh, much respect, and uh, also, you know, fuck you because you're a patriot, James White. So sorry yeah, sorry, that. yeah, fuck it's you because you're a patriot. How it's gotta be. It just is what it is. It just is what it is, dude. There's just no. It just is what it is. It just how it, it is. is what it is. Yep. Exactly. Or you're a, sorry. He's a patrito. He's a prechito. I like that. Patrito. Patrito. <laughs> okay. And our next and final story, as we talked about a little bit before, but I saved it for the very last. You know, last but not least, save the best for last. Malik Willis shined in preseason game one, but also showed why he needs time to develop showcasing his athleticism, running ability, uh, also his ability to throw off platforms smoothly, and his strong, relatively accurate arm. However, he also struggled with finding a rhythm, his overall pocket presence, and read progression, uh, which is entirely expected as he played in a very basic offense at Liberty. Uh, It was not a pro-style offense. Um, So he's got a lot of learning to do. And that was very expected coming into this. But honestly, he looked even better than I thought he would this early. Um, as far as just you can see all the traits. Like like I was saying, like as far as the athleticism, you know, you saw the size. Uh, you saw the speed. You saw the ability to scramble, the ability to run. That fucking arm, dude. He made a, like, I, I beg you, if you did not watch his preseason game. Just go watch just his throws, just Malik Willis's throws. There was one throw that I don't even think it resulted in that many yards, but he was uh, rolling out to his left, right? And then he threw to a receiver that was running to his left. And he rotated, like while he's rolling out to the left, while he's moving, he rotates his hips and throws the ball kind of side-armed around a, def- a defender. Like, it's like a – and then completes it, like, just spot on. Like, I think it was maybe a little bit behind the receiver, but it was, like, close, and it was a completion. And I was like, that's a that's a fucking Patrick Mahomes throw right there, dude, in your first preseason game. Like, and it was smooth as hell. And he just did that shit. And I was like, God damn. Like, once he, once he learns how to be an NFL quarterback – and I hope that, like, that's why it's such a positive place for him to be in Tennessee because they have Ryan Tannehill and he won't necessarily be forced to play immediately. I hope that he gets the time he needs to learn and he's going to turn into a fucking monster. Yeah, no, I actually know exactly what um, – I, I saw that that play that you're talking about. Um, Dude, my jaw was hanging open. Yeah, like, yeah, because he, like, turn, he, like, turns his hips and he's, like, like almost literally like his legs are one way and his body's facing like a completely different way. And he like, yeah, fucking curves that ball. Yeah. It's, um, 
Yeah, Mal- Malik Willis literally did land in the most per- perfect position that you could have uh, asked for a developmental quarterback like him. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's all depending on him on how much time it truly is going to take for him to develop. But um, if he keeps playing like this in the preseason, um, and okay, so let's say he tears it up the rest of the preseason, and then they start struggling because we did the Titans, dude. We saw their we saw their schedule, we saw their breakdown. It's gonna be a tough it's gonna be a tough uh, sled for the Titans this year. Their division got tougher with Matt Ryan um, entering the mix. There, I could see uh, you know. I could see a quarterback controversy brewing in uh, Tennessee if oh, for sure. Malik Willis keeps it up and Ryan Tannehill falters at any point, at any point. Because as a Jets fan, I got used to quarterback controversies, um, and there's nothing that starts one like a, a young, flashy rookie that can, um, you know, put up uh, some highlight reels in the preseason. But yeah, he looked good, dude. I'm uh, I'm impressed for sure. If if this works out, this is your Justin Herbert. Okay, we'll say it right now on the podcast to be recorded because I wasn't I wasn't recorded when I called Justin Herbert out. Um, but arguably, Justin Herbert is that guy. So if Malik Willis ends up being the guy, then right here, you know, on the podcast on this episode. You will officially have your moment. Absolutely, and we got it recorded. And uh, yeah, man, I, I totally agree. We'll have to see how it plays out. I think it's really possible they have some sort of a quarterback controversy, depending on uh, you know. I mean, how there could be an injury too, and just depending on how the season goes. And like you said, tough schedule. You know, they lost AJ Brown. Uh, a lot of things going on over there in Tennessee. And I think at that point it comes down to your coaching staff and their philosophy, and I guess the GM too. Um, and what is your what is your vision for Malik Willis? Because at that point you're committing to a different kind of uh, development for your quarterback if you're going to go put him out there, uh, rather than sticking with your quarterback that you are paying. Uh, you know, assuming it's not a situation where he's injured and you just don't have a choice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see how it plays out. You know, rarely in, in the NFL do you get to, like, just ideally plan out a path and then have it actually happen that way. So we'll just have to see how uh, Malik Willis's you know, story unfolds and um, how he can develop. But, yeah, I mean, in his very first preseason game, a very solid showing. Uh, they, you know, like I said at the top, it, it showed – why he's such a interesting prospect, but also why he has uh, so much learning left to do. So, but with that, we can go ahead and move on to our breakdowns. Uh, you know, our next division here, second to last division of the entire breakdown section, the NFC West, and our very first team is going to be the LA Rams. And Enrique, it is all yours. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate that. And thank you guys and everyone that listens for sticking through uh, all the breakdowns. I know going through uh, each team has been uh, quite long, but um, especially if you don't, like if it's not your team, then it's like a tough, uh, tough pill to listen to. So I appreciate it. But um, 
yeah, with the LA Rams, this one was one of the ones that I was excited to talk about just because they have such a star, star loaded team. Um, and I mean, literally the star starts with their head coach, Sean McVay. Um, he's done a great job since he's took over, um, for the Jeff Fisher led Rams. Um, and I mean, I remember when the Rams were led by Jeff Fisher as their head coach and they were just like seven and nine, seven, like eight and eight every fucking year. And they were just like, like you just, you would not talk about the Rams at all. And they moved to LA, they get Sean McVay, who's the young up and coming head coach. And, um, came off of that Washington, um, that, I mean, then they were, were they still the Redskins? Can we, can we even say the Redskins? Are you like banned from saying that? It might have to be football team. Oh yeah. Well, okay. So in, in order to not get sued, whether they were or were not (laughs) the name that, uh, they eventually got rid of, um, they were part of the Washington, he was part of the Washington football team. Now the Washington commanders, um, he was part of that like <laughs> random head coach or coaching committee, uh, coaching staff that produced head coaches. You know, like uh, Sean yeah. McVay being one of them, and he's been great in LA, leading them to a Super Bowl victory last year and many playoff appearances before that. Uh, GM Les Need, uh, Mister Fuck Them Picks Yourself. Um, I, I, I I love Les Need so much. I love Sean McVay. The combination they both work so good together. Um, Les Need plays the GM role of the LA Rams like uh, I do in Madden. You know what I mean? Like you <laughs> you 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 have to get some stars at certain positions. Got to get some good depth guys. Got to develop them. Sometimes it got to be third, fourth, fifth round picks. You know, you just got to hope that um, you know. You fucking spent your points wisely and scouted what right, and then uh, yeah, you just trade your first round pick for fucking Allen Robinson, or well, you go get Allen Robinson in free agency, and then you you know go get Von Miller in free agency and get a ring, and yeah, it was it was what Les Need and Sean McVay have done uh, with their time together in LA has been nothing short of amazing. And uh, they're hoping it continues with this year's draft picks um, and getting into those guys. Uh, so, obviously, Mr. Fuck Your Picks, they didn't have any uh, early early day picks. So, their first pick was in the third round, and that was Logan Bruss, a guard out of Wisconsin. Uh, then going to the fourth round, they took Dakobe Durant, a corner out of South Carolina State. In the fifth round, they took Kyron Williams, running back out of Notre Dame who I'm quite high on, actually. Um, in the sixth round, they took safety Quentin Lake at a UCLA. In uh, another sixth-round pick, Darian Kendrick, a, a corner out of Georgia. Uh, in the seventh round, the first of three seventh-round picks, they took Daniel Hardy, outside linebacker, out of Montana State. Their second seventh-round pick, they took Russ Yeast, cornerback out of K-State. And then with their last pick in the seventh round and of the uh, 2020 draft, 2022 draft, they took AJ Curry, an offensive tackle out of Michigan State. Um, so yeah, like obviously these aren't going to be those flashy first and second round uh, picks that you know uh, and have heard of, and they did all the draft coverage of. But you know what, Lesney and Sean McVay uh, have is they were able to 
start getting depth and start developing um, players at positions of need, which the secondary was a position of need that they were relatively thin at um, after losing some guys in free agency and not having guys resign with them. So, um, yeah, replenishing that, getting another running back to add to the room of, you know, and you we've seen it in the last few years with the Rams. Um, I mean, even dating back to Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley, um, you know, the Rams sometimes have uh, problems staying healthy at running back. Um, so, you know, it's a running back by committee uh, type of situation in L.A. Uh, so to add a fifth-round running back uh, like Williams is great. Um, retooling the uh, defensive line and offensive line a bit with uh, their uh, first pick of the draft altogether. And then some of the later picks uh, I thought was great. Um, so some of the... Uh, big additions and losses to the Rams this year. Uh, we'll start with some of the additions. Uh, Bobby Wagner and Allen Robinson, um, both, at, uh, you know, it's how do the rich keep getting richer? Um, and when Bobby Wagner agreed to come over from uh, the Seahawks um, to the Rams, I thought that was amazing. Um, and, you know, we've talked about it before on the show, like, he just is such a veteran, such a leader, and um, you know he was in Seattle for such a long time and was a stud as an All Pro. Game fell off a little bit with Father Time, but I still think he has a few good years left in him. I think he's going to give him to L.A. and I think he's going to get himself another ring. Hopefully, um, Allen Robinson, one of my favorite players, Allen Robinson the second, actually one of my favorite players in the league, um, was the lone bright spot on the Chicago bears for such a long time, finally gets a real quarterback, finally gets a real team, finally gets a real chance to make some noise in the postseason. Um, you know, just been a silent grinder, you know, just guy just shows up, works, gets a thousand yards with no matter who's throwing to him. So, uh, shout out to Allen Robinson. Um, glad he's able to make it to LA and he still got paid. It's not like he took a sure. nothing contract. He still got paid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so some of the losses, obviously they lost Von Miller to the Bills, but trust and believe there's no way the Rams were going to afford that contract. And good on Von for getting that shit yeah. too because like 120 for six years, crazy, Yeesh. crazy. Um, they also traded Robert Woods to the Titans, you know, which, you know, when you see uh, that they got Allen Robinson, you know, later on in free agency, because uh, that was the Robert Woods thing was relatively early. Robert um, Allen Robinson was a bit later. Um, when you see that they end up replacing Robert Woods and you know low key, and he hasn't resigned yet or is not going to resign, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, when you replace both those guys with an Allen Robinson, you feel really good at the wide receiver position, especially you know seeing how you got the triple uh, crown winner at wide receiver Cooper Cup on the other side. Um, yeah. you know, we talked about, uh, retooling that secondary and getting some depth guys and some developmental guys. Um, and that's because they lost guys like Darius Williams. You know, he was, um, a starter on the defense. Um, and he signs with the Jags this off season. Um, on the defensive line, we had Sebastian Joseph Day signed with the Chargers, uh, just went right across the field there in LA, um, signed with the in-town Chargers. And then, um, you know, Andrew Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth retired. Um, so, you know, those are some of the bigger losses and additions that 
you know uh, the Rams had this year. Um, but all in all, their roster still remains, you know, very, very solid, very, very star-studded. Um, and we'll get into that roster now. So starting, um, starting with the quarterbacks, um, I'm envisioning they're going to hang on to three of them. Um, obviously, the starter is going to be Matthew Stafford. Um, backup is going to be John Wolford, uh, Bryce Perkins. Um, you know, depending on um, you know who kind of plays better throughout the preseason is going to more than likely end up backing up uh, Stafford. But um, if Stafford were to go down, Wolford would more than likely be the one that could uh, give him some quality uh, snaps. But nothing's going to happen to uh, Matthew Stafford. It's going to be just fine. Uh, Now getting into the running backs, uh, I'm thinking that the Rams are going to carry four running backs this year. Uh, Obviously, we're going to keep Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson Jr., the rookie Kyron Williams, and then Jake Funk. Uh, those are going to be the four guys we're thinking they're hanging on to. Uh, wide receiver, we're going to go with six wide receivers this year. Uh, Cooper Cup uh, being wide receiver one. Allen Robinson, the second. Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell. Ben Scalrone, Nick. And then Brandon Powell uh, rounds out the group there. Uh, and Van Jefferson, low-key, not a bad third option there. I was a little... It was a little shitty on him. Um, maybe when we broke down the Titans, I don't know. It was one of those episodes. I was pretty sure that uh, I said that outside Cooper Cup and Al Robinson, the Rams don't have shit. Went back, got me a little Van Jefferson in my life, and not a bad third option at all. Yeah, um, uh, tight end, you got Tyler Higby, Kendall Bland, and then uh, Bryson Hopkins. So pretty much the same group from last year. Nothing too crazy. They're all very serviceable tight ends. Tyler Higby just reclaims his spot as the number one. Uh, Offensive line, uh, you got Joe Noteboom, Brian Allen, David Edwards, Logan Bruss, the third-round rookie, Rob Havenstein, A.J. Akuri, the seventh-round rookie, Bobby Evans, A.J. Jackson, and Tremay Ankrum, Jr., um, so, you know, a lot of the uh, same guys from last year, um, obviously you got Andrew Whitworth not there this year, but hopefully, uh, we could just get some more consistency on that offensive line. Hopefully the rookies could add some, uh, nice depth. Um, and there's a chance, um, you know, Logan Bruss is going to, um, add some competition at, at that's uh, starting guard spot. So we'll see, um, we'll see ultimately what ends up happening with the offensive line, but most of the same guys from last year. Uh, defensive line, um, start out with Greg Gaines, Ashawn Robinson, obviously the GOAT Aaron Donald, Marquise Copeland, Bobby Brown III, uh, and Michael Hoist. Um, obviously the big guy there, number 99, Aaron Donald back, uh, locked down with, with a new contract. So he's, uh, here's, he's here for the foreseeable future, and he's uh, hoping to bring another ring back. Um Getting into the outside linebackers, uh, we got Leonard Floyd, um, the former Chicago Bear, uh, Justin Hollins, Daniel Hardy, the rookie, and then Terrell Lewis rounding out that group. Inside linebacker is going to start out with Bobby Wagner, Ernest Jones, Trayvon Howard, and Christian Roseboom. Now, real quick note on the inside linebacker group, there was two teams last year that I felt had so many injuries to inside linebackers. One of them being Ryan's Denver Broncos, the other one being the Los Angeles Rams, and 
this group right now that the Rams have is not a bad group. Like, not a bad group at all. Um, especially yeah. when you throw Bobby Wagner in there to be your starter. They got some They got some nice linebackers uh, there in L.A. right now. Um, so getting to their corners, you got Jalen Ramsey, Troy Hill, Darian Kendrick, the rookie, Dakobe Durant, the rookie, David Long Jr., and Robert Robert Rochell. Um, obviously, Jalen Ramsey, wide receiver one, um, you know, just all pro, all time great. Jalen Ramsey, uh, just been so good for the Rams. Um, showed why they pay him all that money. Showed why he gets the top corner status as of right now. Um, yeah, and the two rookies getting to learn under him is going to be nice. Um, Troy Hill is probably going to take that second uh, corner spot opposite of Mr. Ramsey um, with everyone else kind of playing some nickel and some uh, playing competition for that uh, that starting third corner spot. Um, so safeties, you got Jordan Fuller, Nick Scott, Taylor Rapp, Quentin Lake, the rookie, and Terrell Burgess. Um, solid group of safeties back there. And then um, specialists, we got uh, the kicker, Matt Gay, punter, Riley Dixon, and long snapper, Matthew Ors. Um, so, yeah, not a bad roster. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, new faces, but, um, you know, nothing too crazy. Obviously, you got the big names like Wagner and Robinson. Um, but, you know, they brought a lot of guys back from last year's Super Bowl squad, and they're looking to hopefully um, make, a, make a run again. Um, so getting into their schedule, um, low-key the Rams have, like, the all-star schedule. They play, like, literally most of their games are, like, must-see TV almost because I want to see all of them. Um, but week one, uh, starting, out the, uh, starting out the season, um, they're playing Buffalo, um, which is a banger of a game right away. Um, yeah. It's, it's a crazy game, like – I can't even tell you how excited I am for that game. Uh, Jalen Ramsey versus Stephon Diggs. Uh, Josh Allen versus Aaron Donald. Like, it's just such a good game. Uh, Matthew Stafford versus Josh Allen. Um, like, uh, uh, random Kyer Elam and Tredavious White versus Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup. It's just, like, randomly right. so good now. Um, I do have the Rams winning that game week one uh, just because it's in L.A. I think that's a good matchup. Um, and... I don't have the Bills losing many games, but if they're going to lose, uh, the defending champs seem like one they could lose to. Uh, yeah. Week two, going to or uh, taking Atlanta uh, in LA, uh, I have that as a win because, I mean, really, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, week three in Arizona, so I have them winning this game. I think this low key could flip though, and par- partially because it's in Arizona, but also because Arizona uh, does have a dangerous team. They are going to be without DeAndre Hopkins in this game. So True. that could be to, um, you know, LA's advantage, obviously not having the best, one of the best wide receivers in the league and for sure the best wide receiver in Arizona. Um, so I can, I can see this game going either way. I'm going to put it down as a win right now because of the loss of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, for the first six weeks for the Cardinals. Uh, now, this is another game in week four 
that um, I could see them losing after a tough game in Arizona to go on the road to San Francisco. San Francisco always plays the Rams really, really tough. Um, yeah. And I I don't know if you saw much of Trey Lance uh, this preseason, Ryan, but dude looked off the chain. Yeah. So depending on what Trey Lance looks like, because when guys come out of the season, like think of like Cam Newton or Russell Wilson when they came out their rookie year. And this is give or take Trey Lance's like, you know, rookie year. So, um, yeah, he looks like he's going to play great. Um, I'm excited to see what week four looks like for the Los Angeles Rams because depending on how a few things go, they could be either four and zero or two and two. So we'll see what that looks like. Uh, then week five, still no slouch. Uh, another NFC powerhouse. Uh, you got to play the Dallas Cowboys. Luckily, you get them at home. Um, I have them beating the Cowboys. Um, week six. Going against Carolina, I also have them beating the, uh, the Panthers. Uh, even though Baker Mayfield looked cool as fuck in blue, um, I don't see how True. he gets past. He looks so good, dude. I was I was so proud yeah. of my boy. I was so fucking proud of my boy. Yeah. Um, I still don't see him beating the Rams, though, no matter how good he looks in blue. Uh, week seven is their bye week. So that's going to be a nice reset, right? You play a lot of – you play some bad teams like Carolina – um, and Atlanta, but most of the time, th- that first six games before the bye week, you're playing some real contenders. You're playing uh, two of your division rivals right away. Um, you get the away games out of the way to your arguably toughest division rivals. Um, and yeah, we're able to, you know, move on uh, after week seven, after your bye, to play San Francisco again, uh, which is tough coming out of the bye in week eight. Uh, but you're getting them at home this time. So they should be hopefully much more manageable, uh, you know, at, at home than they would be uh, on the road in San Francisco. Um, so I have them winning that game, um, but another one of those win-loss games that could go back and forth. Uh, week 9, going to Tampa Bay, I have them losing this game. Um, straight up, I just – this is one of those games that I think – is going to come down between two things. I think it's going to be Tom Brady versus Matthew Stafford. And yeah. I I think Tom's circled this one. I, I really do think that Tom's, yeah. uh, Tom's pissed. And I think he wants a little revenge against the champs uh, because he was a few plays from, from beating them. You know, like if you give Tom another five minutes, do you think that he's, you think Stafford has a ring or you think Tom has number eight? You know what oh, I mean? Dude, they barely held his ass off. That's what I'm saying, dude. So, like, yeah, week nine at home, Tom Brady's got this one circled, and I just don't see him. I don't see him dropping it. Um, and then week ten, um, as a surprise, uh, I have them losing to Arizona. I have them dropping this game. Um, you know, I have them coming off the road uh, in Tampa, getting whooped. Um, I think at this point. Arizona is going to have DeAndre Hopkins back. And um, I think that Arizona is going to be looking to strike on a uh, already mentally low and exhausted LA Rams team coming off the road uh, with Tom Brady. Uh, Then going to New Orleans uh, in week 11, I do have them bouncing back, uh, mostly because I don't believe in Jameis Winston. But depending on where Jameis is at, this could be a big game as well. 
If Jameis Winston's playing good, the New Orleans Saints has a very, very well-balanced attack. Um, I mean, Jarvis Landry, uh, Chris Olave, um, Michael Thomas. I almost forgot Michael Thomas. Don't want to do that. Um, yeah, like the Saints have a really good defense. Marshawn Lattimore, Cameron Jordan. They just took my boy, Marcus May. Uh, they got Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. Um, I mean... Demario Davis. Um, who else is on that New Orleans Saints defense? Just loaded, just stacked defense. Stacked uh, defense. Just so stacked. So depending on how Jameis goes, I see that, that game going one or two ways. But right now I have the Rams pulling that one out just because I think Stafford could outduel Jameis if they needed to come down to it. Uh, but it's going to be a tough one for sure. Uh, week 12, I outright have them losing. I think going to Kansas City is tough. I think going to Kansas City to play Patrick Mahomes is tougher. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think this is going to be another shootout. But you see what I mean about all these games just being like must-see TV? Like, yeah. you, you need to see Matthew Stafford versus Patrick Mahomes. You need to see the fully yeah. loaded Rams versus the fully loaded Chiefs. Like, that's a must-see game. Um, For sure. Week 13, um, I have them playing Seattle. Um I have them beating Seattle, you know, to get them a bounce back win from the loss of the Chiefs. Uh, week 14 against the Las Vegas Raiders, I have them winning as well, but another must see TV game that I'm dying to see. I uh, would love to see Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and the new look Raiders go against the champs. Um, and then week 15 uh, at Green Bay, I have them dropping this game. Um, it's a Monday, just got done playing the Raiders on Thursday. Um, you know, I just, I see that as being like, I don't know, just a trap game, you know, like Green Bay is going to be really, really good. Aaron Rodgers is going to be like playing at his best right now, getting ready for playoff football. Um, so yeah, this one, this one's going to be tough. Um, week 16 against your Denver Broncos. I unfortunately having them win, um, just is what it is. Ryan. Uh. I know, dude. I'm I'm sorry. Um, I know. I get it. I get it. Uh, but another another tough game that can definitely go uh, either way. The reason why I have them beating the Broncos is because it is at home in LA, um, and I think that that's that's the enough of a deciding factor uh, for me at least. The other thing is that um, I think that the Broncos' offensive line worries me a little bit more against Aaron Donald than either of the pass rushers that the Broncos have, uh, Randy true. Gregory or uh, Bradley Chubb. You know, so I just – I, I think of Aaron Donald a bit more highly than I think of those two guys, unfortunately. Um, and I think that st- stuff like that is the it's, – it's just it's, – it's a game of inches, Ryan. It's a game of inches. You know that. You know, I'm not picking against you just to pick against you. Um, no, I feel you. Right. And then week 17 uh, – in LA, but at the Chargers, um, um, yeah, I have them winning, um, but I have this one being probably uh, an ultra tight game as well, especially with Justin uh, Herbert just ready for playoff football. Um, you know, I'm expecting the Chargers have a really good year this year. Um, the Chargers have a whole new team themselves, um, and low key, I think that. The Chargers uh, probably made the most improvements of the AFC West. Um, maybe not as 
in, as impactful like the Broncos or the Raiders did. But overall, like I think they made the most improvements altogether with J.C. Jackson, Cleo Mack. Um, yeah, just got everyone paid, got everyone read up. Uh, yeah, just great, great year for the Chargers uh, this offseason. Um, and then, so I have them winning the last the last three games. Yeah, because week 18, they go to Seattle and play Seattle. And I think they beat that ass even with um, Matt Safford playing like the first quarter. So, Because um, I don't think that's going to be, depending on how the division goes, I don't think that's going to be a playoff position type of um type of game at least not too much it might be for some other nfc west teams but either way i think the rams can probably beat seattle's ass so um yeah i mean um some of my thoughts on the ram schedule altogether is that I, I think that uh, the division got much easier with Russell Wilson leaving for the Broncos, although they have to see him again in Week 16. Uh, they only have to see him once rather than twice. So I think the two Seahawks games are pretty much gimmies. I think depending on how um, Trey Lance comes out, um, the if Trey Lance sucks, then the two San Fran games and the two Seattle games are gimmies. Arizona's your biggest threat, in my opinion. Um, San Fran always plays you hard. Um, but they're going to really live or die by Trey Lance, especially if they trade Jimmy Garoppolo. If for whatever reason they have Jimmy Garoppolo for those two games, then they're not going to be gamies whatsoever because I think Jimmy G, we know what he is, and he has beat the Rams before. Um, and for whatever reason, Kyle Shanahan just really, really coaches well against Sean McVay. Just always a very classic matchup, uh, almost like Ravens and uh, – Ravens and Steelers, or like even just throwback, um, just throwback Jim Harbaugh, fucking Pete Carroll, San Fran, Seattle days. True. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, this is a really exciting rivalry. Um, but otherwise, they play they play a lot of tough teams. I, I think the Rams have a roster that could compete against anyone, and they are really literally getting to prove that. They played Buffalo, Arizona twice, Dallas. Um, New Orleans, KC, the Raiders, Green Bay, Denver, the Chargers. Those are all, you know, top 10 teams. Um, you know, Green Bay, Denver, Kansas City, those are going to be, you know, playoff teams for sure. Kansas City, a Super Bowl contender. Um, Buffalo, Super Bowl contender. So, yeah, um, this team can go as far as Matthew Stafford could take them. Um, if there's any big injuries to him or any of the star players, um, the de- the depth isn't what you would necessarily want it to be just because there's some developing guys. But I think there's some guys that can definitely step up to the play depending on um, depending on the position. Quarterback, obviously, would be a hard one for any team. But, uh, yeah, Ryan, what do you think about the schedule? What do you think about the Rams altogether? Yeah, man. You know, first of all, great job breaking down those Rams. And, yeah, I, I think clearly – you know, as you look through that roster and uh, some of the losses they had, obviously sustained uh, some losses of some big players. But this is still a Super Bowl caliber uh, caliber roster, especially with that uh, quarterback there. And Matthew Stafford um, looked really, really good last year. And uh, I only expect him to uh, get better in his second year in the system with Sean McVay and the Rams there. So, yeah, I mean, getting Aaron Donald back too, um, yeah. I mean, the Rams are set up to do some good things. I think 
thirteen and four, like you said, is very reasonable. Um, and then, I mean, that's it's a tough schedule when you look at it. Like you said, a lot of tough teams, but the Rams have the the roster to do, get it done for a lot of those games. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I almost feel like I don't have too much to add because I feel like you just nailed it. Um, you know, especially when you go through that schedule, I, I think that like the games that you pick for them to lose are very reasonable. I think they have two Thursday games, but that their first one is on week one, so it may as well not be a Thursday game. Um, Las Vegas, they do have a Thursday game against them in week 14, so that could be an extra little aspect of that game uh, that already looks to be uh, an absolute banger. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'll be excited to watch a ton of those games on that schedule. Um, like you said, a, a lot of TV games. So, yeah, I mean, you know, just those Rams are crazy, man. I Like, especially after last year, I obviously you expect Super Bowl teams, or not expect, but, like, think there's a possibility of a uh, hangover. But, um, you know, Sean McVay and Lesney seem to have done a really good job of keeping the, uh, the boat afloat, if you want to say it that way. Uh, post the Super Bowl, at least at this point. So uh, we'll have to see how, how it works out for him. Yeah, absolutely. And um, would you say that they had a a better roster last year or this year? I almost want to say they have a better roster this year. I think the biggest thing that turns me off of that is Von Miller. I think that they had just a very clear edge presence with Von there. I don't think that they have that this year. But um, I think offensive wise, like I'm more comfortable with the Van Jefferson, uh, Allen Robertson, uh, and obviously we've seen what Cooper Cup can do and Tyler Higby. Uh, I'm comfortable with that and the Cam Akers approach than I was with Odell and the other guys. Yeah, man. To be honest with you, I, I agree. Like I think there's some spots you could say they're weaker than last year, but there's some spots you can say they're stronger. And then as far as that edge room in particular, I do feel like maybe you could add somebody. But I will say that although you don't have Von Miller anymore, what you do have is the uh, presence that Von Miller had on a lot of those guys. And uh, you look at a lot of interviews from his time with the Rams there, he, he had a huge effect on a lot of those young guys in their development. And so I think that as the season goes through, we're probably going to see somebody um, – you know, fingers crossed, not, you know, for sure, obviously, but my thought is that we're going to see somebody step up and uh, take a role. And obviously you talk about Leonard Floyd, already a great player, but Justin Hollins there, uh, a former Bronco and did some solid things. Um, and then I think he came over to the Rams first and then Vaughn followed him over. Um, I, I would look for him to take an expanded role, especially with the opportunity here. Um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting to, to think about. I don't know. I, I'm almost tempted to say that uh, this year they have a better team, especially like Allen Robinson, dude. That could be elite. I really I, am excited to see him with a good quarterback. Yeah, I. He, to me, like, um, and since we're like about done with the breakdowns, uh, I'll like officially crown him as like my my crown jewel in the free agency market. I think this is the right team, the right fit, the right guy. Um, and I think Al Robinson is going to be the biggest, um, the biggest, like, like, fuck yes, 
uh, free agency signing. Like, just he's yeah. going to be the most successful one. Um, I just think there's so many fits, and there's so m- many times where, like, great players like this aren't able to land with other great players. But, like, he landed with Cooper Cup to give him pressure off on the other side. Um, you know, so he's not, like, the guy. He has another guy there with him. Tyler Higby's a serviceable tight end that can, you know, catch up over the middle and give them both a little relief. Matthew Stafford can hit every single pass and has hit every single pass. Um, yeah, they have a great defense, you know, to give him plenty of rest and fair opportunities at, uh, uh, you know, with interceptions and fumbles and sacks and stuff to get uh, more time on the field. So, yeah, all in all, Allen Robinson the second signing with the Los Angeles Rams was um, – was a hit for me and I'm glad it was a hit for you as well. But um yeah, dog, what do you think uh what do you think about, you know, maybe breaking down some uh Arizona Cardinals? Dude, I think that, that sounds fantastic. And uh I'll take you up on that. So let's get right into the Cardinals here. Their GM, Steve Kime, uh been very solid so far, uh and his a couple times now, obviously, you know, in the Carson Wentz era put them in a position to succeed. And then uh, now again with Kyler, uh, you know, doing some positive things and their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I think that opinions are mixed sometimes on Cliff Kingsbury. And I think that heading into last year, there were some people saying he might've been on the hot seat. Now I think that after having a a solid season last year and uh, really overperforming over expectations, I would say, um, that he's less so on that hot seat and uh, looks to be solidly placed for the moment. And it has, has done some positive things. I, I don't even know that it was fair that he was on the hot seat, to be entirely honest with you. Um, I think it was more so just like they hadn't succeeded when it was time to succeed to that point, but then they succeeded. So let's see if that can, can uh, keep that going. Um, so with that, let's move into their draft class. Their first pick here uh, in the second round, number 55, Trey McBride, tied end out of Colorado State. Obviously, shout out Colorado. Um, a guy that I was low-key hoping the Broncos would take. Obviously, love Dulcich, uh, who came over from UCLA. But, uh, you know, a great landing spot here for Trey McBride with the Cardinals. And uh, arguably the most, like, all-around, um, you know, developed tight end in the draft this year uh, and was really solid coming out of the draft. I'm really excited to see what he can do with the Cardinals there. Round three, number 87, Cameron Thomas, uh, defensive end out of San Diego, uh, and just add some edge help there uh, for the Cardinals here. Miyagi, uh, I'm sorry, Maijai Sanders, uh, round three, number 100, defensive end out of Cincinnati. Um, you know, some more edge help as well. And then round six, 201, Keontae Ingram running back out of USC. Round six, 215, Lecidus Smith, a guard out of Virginia Tech. Tough uh, round seven, I know. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know how to do that. But uh, round seven, 244, Christian Matthew, cornerback out of Valdosta State. Round 7, 256, Jesse Lukita, linebacker out of Penn State. And then finally, round 7, 257, Marquise Hayes, bless you, 
guard out of Oklahoma. And uh, yeah, so some sol uh, solid depth uh, all across the roster picked up there in the draft. Uh, we look at some of their key departures. You know, Chandler Jones left, obviously went over to the Raiders there um, off the edge and uh, played 75% of their snaps last year. So um, yeah, I mean, obviously the uh, they go out and get two defensive ends there in the draft and try to fill up that need a little bit. Jordan Phillips, inside defensive lineman, played 26% of the snaps. Uh, Jordan Hicks, inside linebacker, played 96% of the snaps for this team. Christian Kirk, a wide receiver, played 76%. Max Garcia, left guard, played 68%. Robert Alford, a cornerback, played 48%. Chase Edmonds, a running back, played 40 And then Corey Peters, an inside defensive lineman, played 33 so some solid uh, departures there for that team and uh, trying to fill in the holes there. So if we go over this roster, starting on the offense at quarterback, Kyler Murray, obviously, uh, he just got his extension after a long offseason there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's time for him to do his thing. So behind him, Colt McCoy and then Trace McSorley. At running back, James Conner. Uh, finally, the lead back here after coming over from the Steelers, hoping for some good things from him. Eno Benjamin, and then Daryl Williams comes over from Kansas City. Tight end Zach Ertz came over last year from the Eagles midseason and then uh, looked good so far. And Trey McBride behind him, the rookie. Trey. I know. And then uh, Max Williams. And at wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, who has been suspended for six games uh, because he violated the PED policy. So he won't be there uh, for those games there. Free but they though. traded for, I know, I, I feel so bad for him. Um, but they traded for Marquise Brown from the Baltimore Ravens on draft day there. Uh, so, you know, and we talked about him in our new section as well, but um, he should be available to uh, help them out. And A.J. Green behind him. And then Rondale Moore, who I really like. Uh, and then Andy Isabella, Antoine Wesley, and Greg Dortch. And <laughs> that offensive line, I know it's a funny name, Dortch. <laughs> it is so funny, dude. I try not to laugh, but it's so funny. <laughs> uh, but uh, left tackle there, D.J. Humphreys uh, just got his new contract as well. And then Joshua Miles. Left guard, Justin Pugh, and then Danny Isidora and Marquise Hayes, your seventh-round pick. At center, Rodney Hudson, Sean Harlow, and then Leckett Smith, who I can't pronounce his name again, your <laughs> so sixth-round pick. Uh, fucking uh, right guard, Will Hernandez, came over from the Giants there, and then Justin Murray and Coda Martin. And right tackle is... Kelvin Beecham, Josh Jones, and Rashad Williams. And, yeah, I mean, a solid offensive line for the uh, Cardinals here. You know, could be better at some spots. Will Hernandez will have to test him out um, after losing Max Garcia there. And, um, you know, we'll just have to see if it's good enough for the Cardinals. I think they can always uh, stand to improve, but they've been better than they have been in uh, recent history. So not too much to complain about there. Like Hudson. Uh, the center there. I, I didn't know he was uh, yeah. down there in Arizona. I've liked him for a long time. I know. He just slipped down there in Arizona, just doing his thing while quiet. But, 
Um, yeah, he's he's solid for sure. And then moving on to the defense there, going from the safeties down, free safety, Buda Baker, absolute baller, one of the better safeties in the league, Charles Washington, and then James Wiggins. Strong safety, Jalen Thompson and Deontay Thompson. And then cornerback, Byron Murphy Jr., Antonio Hamilton, Marco Wilson, Josh Jackson, and then Christian Matthew, your rookie in the seventh round, and Breon Borders. And inside linebacker, you have Isaiah Simmons, the athletic freak, Zavin Collins, Ezekiel Turner, and Nick Vigil. Off, or I'm sorry, outside linebacker, Marcus Golden, Dennis Gardeck, and Devin Kennard. And that and at your edge slash defensive end spot, you have JJ Watt, the dude, the guy, the legend, and then Zach Allen, Kingsley Kiki, Cameron Thomas, your third round pick, Majai Sanders, your other third round pick, and Michael Dogby. And at nose tackle slash defensive tackle, you have Richard Lawrence, Lecky Fotu, Antoine Woods, and Christian Ringo. And then special teams, kicker Matt Prater, Broncos legend, uh, and former holder of the longest uh, kick before Justin Tucker uh, broke it, or Justin Tucker broke it. And then uh, punter Andy Lee. And yeah, I mean. Solid roster. I think, uh, you know, offensively, obviously, you're hurting a little bit without DeAndre Hopkins, but you brought over Marquise Brown. A.J. Green is declining, but he's still solid. Rondell Moore is a rising talent. I expect him to get better and, um, you know, fill a little bit of the uh, the gap that um, uh, the dude that I'm forgetting his name that went over to the Jaguars. Oh, uh, Christian uh, Kirk? Yes, thank you. Um, that he he leaves, which because he's a he was a solid player for them, uh, but I think that uh, Rondale Moore is a very solid replacement in terms of that role, and that he can actually do more that uh, Christian Kirk can. So really excited for him. Um, but yeah, solid enough offensive line, uh, and then their defense. You know, I feel like I could use maybe some more corners, um, but other than that, maybe a little bit more help on that inside defensive line. I was going to say um, the same thing. Solid defense. I was literally yeah. going to say the same thing. Yeah, like it's not an awful room, but I could certainly use like a, a solid veteran or something like that in that room. Can I get um, an Adamican Sue? Uh, I know. I was going to say like Sue or like Michael Pierce in this offseason, if he didn't come back to the Ravens, would have been a, a fucking perfect addition. Um, but he's a Raven, so... Uh-huh. Anyways, Uh, but uh, the storylines here, number one, Kyler got his money after a disappointing playoff loss and long offseason. Now it's time to prove he can take the next step. And uh, yeah, I think that's the natural, you know, next step after receiving all that money. You got to prove it now, man. You got to go out and uh, after last year, uh, you know, having a, a solid season and then just not showing up in the playoffs. It's got to be different this year, um, especially after making a stink and, and uh, demanding the money that the way he did. And then you talk about the whole um, contract, the thing with the uh, well, yeah, the contract. But then the uh, um, within the contract, the whole studying thing and that became a whole story. 
and he had a whole press conference and it, just a whole thing. His social media post. Never so, found like, out I gonna, hate Kyler Murray. Yeah, right. So, like, if you're going to make all that noise, you, you got to go prove it, dude. Like, this is the time. Um, the second storyline here, how limited will this offense be by the D-hop six-game suspension? And, you know, we went over it. They, they do have some weapons. Uh, you look at that tight end room, too. Zach Ertz and Trey McBride. Max Trey. Williams is now pushover. Yeah, Trey. he's not, dude. Shout out Max Williams, former, what, first-round pick? I think so. I know yeah, he came from the Ravens. Solid. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I like him, honestly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a really solid tight end room in addition to some solid wide receivers even without D-Hop. So we'll have to see exactly how much uh, of an impact that has on this offense, but I think they can stay afloat. Can I say uh, something as well three. real quick? Yes, sir. Um, D-Hop was hurt some games last year as well. You know what I mean? Sure. So they, yeah. like, and they didn't, like, fall off. Like, I think he was hurt a few games in a row, if I'm not mistaken. And they didn't, like, fall off, fall off. So, you know, first six games, um, obviously, you know, here in a second, we'll look at their schedule and, you know, we'll see what that looks like. But go ahead. Very true. And that's a great point to bring up is what we do. We have seen a little bit that it's not necessarily he's, like, this uh, live-or-die player for the Cardinals. Uh, So, yeah, especially with Rondell Moore hoping to take another step this year, too. So, uh, uh, oh, well, and Marquise Brown that I keep forgetting is on this team. But, uh, yeah, our third storyline here, a little thin at corner with the Robert Alford departure. Can this young room grow enough to not be a liability? And maybe liability is too strong of a word. Obviously, Byron Murphy Jr., a solid talent, uh, by far the best corner in that room. And the rest of those guys, um, you know, you have guys that have been okay, some of them are uh, approaching 30. Some of them are younger. Antonio Hamilton, I think, is like 23 or 24. Um, and Byron Murphy, around the same age there. So if they can continue to grow, um, then that isn't a, a bad room, but uh, could certainly use a little more reassurance there, at least. But uh, as Enrique alluded to, let's get right into their schedule. 2021 record was 11-6 and six, uh, and a very solid year for the Cardinals last year. Um, so we'll see if they can repeat it here. Uh, obviously, those first six games with D Hop number or with D Hop uh, suspended there. Number one going to be the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Uh, I have this as a win, but I went back and forth on this, and because I think that obviously the Chiefs are the Chiefs, right? And they have a uh, on paper improved defense, but I think that you have a brand new receiving core that you're going to have to mesh with um, as far as the chiefs are concerned um, and some, some new pieces moving around. So like, I think that's primarily why I gave it to the Cardinals, but you can also make the argument that you don't have T hop for the Cardinals. Um, and you know, you have some limitations there. So I think it's going to be a, a back and forth game between two potential contenders. Um, but I'm personally going with a win there in week one. And then week two at Las Vegas Raiders, I have that as a loss. I think they're going to get uh, to, off to a quick start there over in Las Vegas. Week three versus the Los Angeles Rams, have that as a loss. Uh, and then week four at the Carolina Panthers, a win. Week five 
versus Philadelphia Eagles. I do have this as a win. I could go either way, depending, but it is a home game for the Cardinals. Week 6 at Seattle Seahawks win. Week 7 versus New Orleans Saints Thursday game at home. I have this as a win, and D-Hop might be back, but it's a Thursday game. And so, like, I'm kind of questioning. You would think he would play, right? But then at the same time, right, so he can't come back. My understanding is he can't come back into the building until week six is over. So that would be Monday, right? And then you've got to play the game on Thursday. So are they going to play him that early, or do they wait until week eight and let him get some real practice time in? Um, so I'm like, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to play out, but I think that with the hop, you can for sure beat the saints without, I think that it's a back and forth game, um, depending on how Jameis plays. And, um, if Kyler can, uh, you know, play well against that really solid saints defense as well. So that'll be an interesting game, uh, for sure though. And definitely one I'm circling on the calendar. Um, but Week 8 at Minnesota Vikings. I have this as a win, but I wrote it down as a potential trap game. I think coming off that Thursday game against a really solid Saints roster, um, you know, that could be a game uh, that they potentially fall into. On the contrary, you know, in an alternate universe, let's say that Week 7, D-Hop doesn't play and they get beat by the Saints, right? And then D-Hop comes back week week 8. I could then see a universe where they just fucking trample the Vikings as a kind of get back to uh, winning game after right. they get uh, lose against the Saints. You know like what I D-Hop mean? D Hop just like goes off for like two hundred and sixteen yards or something. Right, like some shit like that. Like I so I can see either way. It just kind of depends on how it plays out um, as far as all that's concerned. But yeah, uh, and then week nine. Versus the Seattle Seahawks, another win. I expect them to sweep there. Week 10 at Los Angeles Rams, a loss. I expect the Rams to sweep there. Uh, week 11 versus San Francisco, 49ers uh, win. Oh, actually, I will I will spend time on it uh, since because uh, you predicted that the Cardinals would take week 10, right? Yeah, week 10. Yeah, I have that as a trap game for the Rams. I do, yeah. I think I think that's a fair way to put it is a trap game because I do think it's competitive, but I I just view the Rams as the better team. I agree, like, but just I'm saying like, roster. you know, you have the. I I agree for sure. I think the Rams are the better team. It's just that D Hop revenge factor, and True. like you know you have all right. So you have them losing to the Rams. And then the week before, you have them beating the Seahawks. And the week before that, possibly the Vikings. And the week before that, possibly the Saints. So imagine these Cardinals are on that three stretch of wins. And then they meet these Rams at home with DeAndre Hopkins back. I don't know. You know, like, I just think that could be a trap game for the Rams. But I do see what you're talking about. The Rams should win that game. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I think well, I think we're on the same page. It's like the Rams in theory on paper should win that game. But if the Cardinals are on a roll, they got D Hop back, I could totally see an upset, especially if the uh the Rams get caught off guard uh and it's a trap game right there. So 
yeah, that, that one could go either way for sure. But um, I figured I'd draw back to that one since I kind of just like flew over it. And then I was like, oh, wait, we had a uh, differing prediction on that. So, um, but yeah, week 11 versus San Francisco 49ers. I uh, have that one as a win. Week 12 versus the Los Angeles Chargers at home. I have that as a loss. Obviously, I think that could go either way. Uh, this Chargers team, as Enrique was talking about, made a lot of improvements um, and is looking to be really good this year. And so I think that that could be a game that they could take against the uh, Cardinals for sure. Week 13 is your bye week. Uh, and then week 14 versus the New England Patriots, a win. Week 15 at the Denver Broncos. Uh, sorry, not sorry. It's a loss for the Cardinals. <laughs> uh, and not then, shameless uh, at all. <laughs> no, no, not shameless. <laughs> Week 16 versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a loss. Um, you know, obviously, I think it could be competitive at home for the Cardinals, but uh, Tom Brady on that revenge tour. Um, and then Week 17 at Atlanta Falcons win. And week 18 at San Francisco 49ers, uh, a, a loss to finish off the season uh, against your division rival. And, uh, yeah, I think that they end up with a 10-7 and 7 record, which as I went through here, to be honest with you, I was in my head. I was like, okay, 11-6 and 6 was a little bit kind of, I don't want to say overachieving, but they had a really, just a really good year last year. Right. You know what I mean? And then they struggled in the playoffs. So I was like, I think it would be fair that this team takes a step back. And I kind of expected it to be at least a couple more games than what it actually was. And just a one-game difference. And I think that, um, you know, obviously some of these games could go the opposite way. You talk about Chargers, that could be another win uh, in the column there. Um, you talk about, you know – that how the Saints and the Vikings is going to play out. The Raiders. Rams game, the Raiders. There's a tons of, a ton of games on here that um, could change just depending on context. And I mean, I think you can say that about any of our, you know, schedule predictions is just depending on context, these things can change. But I think that 10 and seven uh, is pretty reasonable for this team. If they come out and play uh, like they did last year and, uh, prove it. It wasn't a fluke last year, um, which I think that, you know, I I don't think it was a fluke, but I think that you have to go and prove that, uh, and especially for Kyler, not only do you have to prove it and play as good as you did last year, you need to play better. So um, we will have to see how that works out. But our schedule thoughts here: first one, facing tough divisions in the AFC West. NFC West and NFC South, but some beatable teams in their extra games, uh, the Eagles, Vikings, and Patriots. And uh, yeah, there's some winnable games in those divisions there, but overall, some of the tougher divisions in the entire leagues, uh, entire league to have to face there. Um, and then the second storyline, or schedule thought, I should say, late bye week in week 13, but it's perfect if you are in, ideally in position to snag a playoff spot and make a deep run. Um, you know, it, like, it's not great if you're, like, just trying to scrape into the playoffs because you would want it closer to the middle of the season. But um, if you're looking to make a, a long playoff run, Week 13 is closer to the middle of the season. So uh, it just depends on uh, where they're at 
by the time week 13 rolls around. But Enrique, what are your thoughts on this uh, Cardinals roster and uh, their schedule this year? Uh, first of all, great job, as always, breaking down uh, the team that you uh, you get assigned to. And I was like, now I'm like actually super pumped because uh, I didn't know a lot about the Cardinals, if I'm being honest with you, dude. I knew that they had some players and they had um, a very small, whiny quarterback. Um, <laughs> and I just ultimately like knew they had J.J. Watt and D-Hop. But um, going through their roster, like they have, they have uh, talent there. And they have depth at a lot of positions that I didn't know they did. Um, I agree with your take on the cornerback room. Um, I'm hoping that, especially with the Robert Alford um, loss, that this uh, this group can make some adjustments and hopefully grow and uh, you know make up for that loss. Um, as far as the um, as far as the schedule goes, um, as far as your like win to loss ratio, I agree with all of your games. Um, I think the Chiefs game could be a loss as well in retrospect yeah. to we were looking for games that could be a win and the Chiefs game could be a loss. Um, but otherwise, every other – like I could see the wins and losses and the reasons on why you pick them um, as, you know, like good enough for me. I have no complaints about it because um, every single game has a reason, like a very valid reason on why uh, it can be won or lost in regards to, you know, like – the Patriots game um, could be another one that could be a loss randomly if Matt, uh, Mac Jones decides to play his ass off. Um, you know, the Chargers game could be um, could be fun. Um, but the other thing that I think about the schedule is, like, these are all games I kind of want to see. Like, I'm not yeah. mad about the first week the Cardinals and the Chiefs playing. Like, that's a good fucking game yeah. the first week. Like, that's a solid game. I fuck with that. Uh, and then week two against the Raiders. But honestly, dude, I don't know, like, what it is. Um, like, I don't know if I'm just hanging out with my grandma too much and she's a big Raiders fan, but I'm, like, hyped as fuck to see the Raiders play. And, um, yeah, like, the Arizona Cardinals and the Raiders sound nice. Chandler Jones going back to... Um, to faces well not going back because Arizona's coming to him but um even better he's coming they're coming to the black hole to face Chandler Jones in, in his new home that's kind of cool uh Chandler Jones has his brother's connection you know to me which is being the former UFC light heavyweight champion John Jones so I always like to talk about Chandler Jones because he's the brother I actually like um but yeah <laughs> otherwise yeah I just truly um yeah, I see. I see where you're at with the ten and seven record, and I agree. I do expect them to take a step back, not too far back, especially with some of the pieces that they added, like Marquise Brown and Trey McBride. Which shout out Trey McBride. Um, I think ten and seven is perfect. Um, I think they're going to be contending for a playoff spot. So I think the week thirteen buy that I would normally hate um, is perfect. And uh, yeah, great job breaking it down, dude. Thank you, my dude. I appreciate you. And yeah, I mean, totally agreed on on your thoughts there. And uh, yeah, we'll just have to see how the uh, season works out for these uh, Cardinals, especially with Kyler Murray. You know, I mean, that's just the biggest thing right there is Kyler Murray coming off his whole off season. That's almost dominated the the headlines, and uh, you know, it's up to him where this team can go. So, uh, with that, you know. That'll about do us for the first part of today's show. Follow us right on to the fight show as we recap the main events 
from both the Tiago Santos versus Jamal, uh, Jamal Hill and Marlon Vera versus Dominic Cruz fight nights. If you want to keep up with the shows and be part of our weekly question segment, find us on social media, on Instagram and TikTok, at Mile High Flight Show. At Twitter is at MHFS Podcast, and YouTube is just the show title. And lastly, check out our merch on Redbubble, at MHFS Podcast, and stay tuned for more coming soon. We love and appreciate each and every one of you that listens, and this has been the Mile High Flight Show. Thanks, guys.